It didn't strike me until this morning that my biography introduces me by all the most of the jobs that I've had. Um, I feel like I need to rewrite it now and describe me instead of just my work. With that said, one of the jobs I've had is not listed. It's my very first job, which was working at a library on an Air Force base where my family lived when I was a tween. I got to reshelve books and help people check their books out, which was the best thing ever because it involved stamping the cards at the back of the books that aren't there anymore, but they were there then. And it was with a machine that did the stamping with a very satisfying ka-chunk. I was the loudest thing in the library. It was great. In this clean, quiet, safe space, I learned to be on time, complete my task, how to interact with customers a little bit, and to love books of all kinds. My spouse's first job involved foraging in the woods on the Seminole Reservation in Florida where he grew up, picking the wild growing deer tongue tobacco and selling it to the local tobacco company. That kind cannot be cultivated, so it must be picked wild. He was eight. His first paycheck job came five years later at age 13. He worked an overnight shift at the local pulp mill, standing in a vat of sulfuric acid, wearing at least some protective gear, we'll say, with a pike to stir the logs. So when his overnight shift ended, he then headed to school. Both those jobs earned him money that went straight to his mother to help with the family household expenses. Sometimes it made the difference between paying their bills and not quite paying the bills. My job was spending money for myself, not a necessary part of a household budget. The International Labor Organization defines child labor as work that deprives children of their childhood, of their potential, and of their dignity. It is harmful to their physical and mental development and interferes with their schooling. Now, my spouse seems to have coped pretty well with the early experience of working for wages to support a household as and now is currently enjoying a retirement after that many years of working since he was 13. Um, he did go to college, at least somewhat, but I wonder what he might have lost in the process of having to work so hard from that young age. Child labor is no new thing, as you may guess, if you've studied history at all or read any history. Children have worked alongside their parents since there were children and parents. So from hunter-gatherer societies, um, hunting and fishing, to when um, people then started settling and farming a little bit more, children would help care for livestock and crops. As industry grew, as towns and cities grew, um, even into the um, medieval age, the guild system introduced children to trades. So 
um, paid work that was not farming or gardening or anything like that. As capitalism advanced, it created new social pressures. This is interesting. For example, in 1575, England provided for the use of public money to employ children in order to, quote, accustom them to labor and afford a prophylactic against vagabonds and paupers. Give the children something to do. An Englishman stated with regret that a quarter of the mass of mankind are children, males and females under seven years old, from whom little labor, labor is to be expected. Oh no. That was consistent with the Puritan belief that put work at the center of a moral life. That may sound familiar in a society very much shaped by that ethic. As industry grew, that idea of idle hands became more and more of an anathema. The perceived value of a child, this is part of the legal system in the early 1800s, the perceived value of the child can be viewed through how the legal system treated the wrongful death of a child and the damages the parents could hope to recover. Courts of that time period usually found that the proper amount due was the probable value of the services of the deceased child from the time of the death to the time they would have attained majority, which was about 16 at that time, less the expense of the maintenance of the child during the same time. Already value according to your productivity. This began to change in the late 1800s, early 1900s, when reformers began questioning this idea of having the, the very young children working for wages in order to help support a family, that it became so pervasive. That began to change the process by which the public changed viewing children as workers, that, that children needed to work in order to stay out of trouble, that child labor was a benefit, be beneficent social institution, moving to the view that it was an institution with the stigma of being an quote, unrighteous and harmful consequence of industrial capitalism, destructive to the child and to the community. And remember, a lot of this was before there was widespread formal public education. So children were around more at home, especially the children of working class families, the not wealthy children. It wasn't until about 1905 
when the National Child Labor Committee, founded by Arkansas clergyman Edgar Gardner Murphy in 1904, became more closely aligned with the interests of labor unions. Um, and this was founded in the South, so the, the North already had some labor unions around mill work and things. The American Federation of Labor recognized that as long as child labor was widespread in the South, the Federation would never be able to increase wages for union workers there. So because there was a plethora of very young workers who could be paid almost nothing, there was less incentive for employers to pay the adults fairly. This really struck me here. Poorly educated child laborers tended to become poorly educated adults who often were then docile employees, unlikely to demand higher wages or get involved in union organizing. So because the children were working so much, they could work as much as 12 hours a day. That finally got changed to just 10 hours a day. Because of that back and forth between that cheapness of child labor impacting the wages of adult workers, the unions at that time in the 1900s really supported the idea of anti-child labor. And some manufacturers put their efforts behind defeating the twin enemies of unionism and child labor reform. So still that tension between business and employers and workers and fairness. So child labor is not bad in and of itself. Children learn by doing, just like a lot of the rest of us as we get older, we keep learning how, working alongside of trusted adults to learn how to do things as simple as frying eggs for your breakfast and things like that. It's the exploitation of child labor and of children that was the problem that is still the problem. As it is with any population that has less power than another and no way to advocate for themselves. Some of this could own, some of these changes around child labor could only be, occur because of the shifting perception in how we viewed children, not just as potential farm laborers or other workers, but our children, our beloved future, as it were. What is happening right now is a pushback a seeking to overturn some of the protections that have been put in place over the years to protect children from 10 to 12 hour workdays or overnight shifts right before they then went to school if they could. There have been recent changes and pushes in state legislatures that overturn some protections for children, extending working out the amount of working hours that they can do, eliminating work permit requirements and lowering the minimum age for teens 
to work in certain industries like serving alcohol in, ref in restaurants. So um, right now, I think it's 18 to 21 that you have to be to serve alcohol. Their proposed changes, this is in Iowa, um, to have that be 16 or 17 instead. In February of this year, the U.S. Department of Labor levied civil penalties of $1.5 million against a company that provides cleaning services for equipment at meat packing plants across the country. The Labor Department found that the company employed more than 100 children under the age of 18 cleaning dangerous power-driven equipment like skull splitters and razor-sharp bone saws using caustic chemicals. Some of the children were as young as 13. There's no information about their immigration status. I have to wonder though, only their ages. The plants cited in this um, penalty suit were located in Arkansas, Colorado, Indiana, Kansas, Minnesota, Nebraska, Tennessee, and Texas. And the most violations, so the most number of children under the age of 18 working for this cleaning company in the plants around the uh, states, the most violations were found in Nebraska, Kansas, and Minnesota. This is an issue so deeply embedded with our own values as Unitarian Universalists. Is it just that children as young as 13 might be working with dangerous equipment and dangerous chemicals overnight, which then impacts their ability to learn at school the next day? Is it just equitable, compassionate, generous, that there are families living here in this country who must have their children work in conditions like that in order to survive, not just thrive here. I'm just going to ask you that. I know what my answer is, but that is, you know, it's, this is a both and. How do we treasure our children and teach them the value of being productive without putting that onus on them that being productive is the only way to have value. How do we do that and educate our children so they can advocate for themselves as they grow? Can it be a both and? I'm wondering how many of you had after school or before school jobs as you were growing up. I did that library job was an after school job, but just a few hours a week. Right now, the limit is four hours per day after school or around school, not 12 hours a day. Mm. I don't have a complete answer here because I do think it's valuable for children to work and have that agency for themselves, perhaps earn their own money and make decisions about that. How else do you learn how to handle money but by handling it, by managing it? But I wonder 
how much it might cost really socially when it's our children at stake. I realized my title had been about unions and strikes and then child labor at the end. This is what happens when you start reading and looking for things, the rabbit holes. I was struck by how important unions are in the history of this country, how important they are right now when we have a number of workers who are not part of that traditional kind of thing that we've been seeing on our screens this morning with all those songs about work and strikes and unions. I'm pretty sure at the time some of these videos were made that no one thought about baristas needing to form a union to earn fair wages and compensation. Strikes seem to be one of the only ways, even now, to get enough attention and momentum for people to demand fair wages and fair working, fair and safe working conditions. So what happens when the children don't have that power for themselves? I keep thinking about that. And I think about the hundred or more children who did walk off their jobs in a factory a hundred years ago to say, we are not safe here. And they created change in their workplace. But also because they had the support of a number of adults who could also advocate for them. As I said, I don't have answers here. I have a lot of wonderings. And in our values as Unitarian Universalists, what is our role as a people of faith toward work? Fair and just wages and safe working conditions for all people. And the reminder here for me, as I went down rabbit hole after rabbit hole, please do check out the Bureau of Labor Statistics articles on the history of child labor. Article after article and rabbit hole after rabbit hole about how these things are around us all the time and we may not see them because sometimes they're hidden in plain sight. So my call for you this morning is to wake up, to notice who is doing the work around you. I want to close with a very short quote by the Indian poet and philosopher Rabindranath Tagore. He wrote, I slept and dreamt that life was joy. I awoke and saw that life was duty. I worked and behold, duty was joy. I'm still wrestling with that one. Is that true? By working is duty then joy. I hope so. And I hope that for every person who works 
that it can also be joy as well as duty. May we on this Labor Day weekend honor all those who work, financially compensated or not. May we remember that no work is more value, has more value or is more valuable than others. May we work together for fair practices, fair wages and fair treatment for all. Amen and blessed be.